This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 124-inch. On this week's episode, superfan Joe Krause joins us to talk about creating Prosthetic Lips, the first-ever Weird Al tribute album. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. It has been a long week of sorting through all the hate mail from the fallout of our definitive top five songs from Weird Al's The Food Album. Yeah, lots of really creative insults and threats of violence, but... Oh, wait! Here's a complimentary one! Wow, really? I must have missed that one. What does it say? It says the only way your top five list could be more wrong is if you wrote it on a boulder and smashed it repeatedly into my face. Wait, that's complimentary? Yeah, well, they're saying we weren't the wrongest that we could have been. We're just the second most wrongest. Oh, okay, well, I guess you're right. Well, at least we can always remember that the top fives determined on our show are the definitive top fives, and if anyone else thinks otherwise, they're wrong. Well, one thing we know isn't wrong is that it's time for This Week in Weird Al-Related News! There's some really exciting news that has just hit the net for Record Store Day this Black Friday, November 26th. There will be a new release for Weird Al's cover of the Ramones classic, Beat on the Brat, this time as a 12-inch maxi single featuring a total of seven tracks, all of which are Ramones-related and four of which are Beat on the Brat. Okay, so of those seven songs, three of them are with Weird Al. First up is the same beat on the brat that we know and we love from the three previous physical releases. And then get this, there are two Weird Al Ramones covers, Beat on the Brat and I Want to Be Sedated, both recorded live as part of the 2018 Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. Now, while those two songs have been available through Stitcher, YouTube videos, and other unofficial means, this will be the first time they are ever available on a physical release, let alone vinyl. The other four songs on the maxi single are all songs from Osaka Popstar. One is a studio recording of Beat on the Brat from the forthcoming expanded edition of Osaka Popstar and the American Legends of Punk album. And the other three tracks are live recordings of Ramones covers by Osaka Popstar. It's Blitzkrieg Bop, The KKK Took My Baby Away, and of course, Beat on the Brat. Well, it's a good thing I love the song Beat on the Brat because there are four different versions of it on this maxi single. It's going to (laughs) be awesome. Yes, so this Record Store Day exclusive maxi single will be limited to 3,000 copies worldwide. And if the three-inch singles were any indication, these will go fast. The Record Store Day listing says they are limited to 2,500, and that's because, as we understand it, there will be 2,500 released in the USA and 500 released in Canada. And some more exciting details about this maxi single is there will be a download card included. And again, of course, the cover art is by Garbage Pail Kids artist Neil Camera. 
The inside sleeve is full color, double-sided with artwork, live photos, and credits. And of course, the vinyl is black for Black Friday. Well, you know where Dave and I will be on Black Friday. We will again be scrambling to pick up our copies of this incredible Weird Al Record Store Day exclusive. And if you've yet to pick up the three-inch vinyl single of Beat on the Brat from the last Record Store Day, there is still a few left over on DementedPunk.com. So act fast and don't pay those scalper prices. Now, and speaking of Weird Al physical releases and Garbage Pal Kids artwork, there is a brand new Green Jello variant. Yeah, this Friday, September 17th, a brand new limited edition splatter variant of the Green Jello album Garbage Band Kids will be released. Now, as we mentioned previously with other editions of this album, Weird Al appears on the first track of the album, Puke Box, in one of his famous voicemail recordings. Okay, all you collectors, this is the fourth physical release of Green Jello's Garbage Band Kids album. It's already available in solid green and solid pink vinyl, as well as on CD. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering, loaded, dare I say beefy, vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, Always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com or wizardburger.com and order ahead. We have some sad news to report. Comedian in Saturday Night Live alum Norm MacDonald passed away yesterday, September 14th at age 61. Now we know Weird Al is a big fan of Norm MacDonald and his comedy. And you may have seen a clip of Norm from SNL over the years during costume changes at Weird Al concerts. During his Weekend Update segment, Norm shows the famous FBI sketch of the Unabomber, which unabashedly looks like Weird Al wearing a hoodie, and says, The FBI released this sketch of the man known as the Unabomber this week, and the authorities immediately issued an arrest warrant for Weird Al Yankovic. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, Gil and Chill in Peace, Norm. In much, much lighter news, we recently learned that the Air Guitar World Championships recently held a Champion of Champions competition with all of the previous world champs from the past 25 years. And why are we talking about this? Well, our very own Craig Billmeyer from episode 46 Inch, the world champion in Air Guitar in 2008, who competes under the name Hotlicks Houlihan, placed third overall in the world. Third place, 13 years after winning the world record title. That is incredible. And from all of us here at Dave Nathan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, congratulations to you, Craig Billmeyer, a.k.a. Hotlicks Houlihan. Yesterday, September 14th, was the 41st anniversary of the live recording of Another One Rides the Bus on the Dr. Demento Show, that arguably one of the reasons behind the launch of Weird Al's career. This is, of course, the same recording that was released on the Another One Rides the Bus EP, better known as the Placebo EP, and then later released on the first album. It was also the day that Weird Al met one John Schwartz, and as they say, the rest was history. 
from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Congratulations to past guests John Bermuda Schwartz, Dr. Demento, Beefalo Bill Burke, and everyone else who helped make that iconic recording. And don't forget John's brother, Richard Bennett. He's the one that brought Bermuda to the Dr. Demento show that fateful day. Well, speaking of John Bermuda Schwartz, this past weekend, episode five centimeter of our black and white and weird all over bonus episode series dropped for the cheapskates. I mean, for the general public. Now, this is, of course, our book series where we sit down with the author, John Bermuda Schwartz, and go picture by picture through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over, The Lost Photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1983 through 1986. And we hope you're caught up because our intern Frank tells us that this Sunday, September 19th, yet another episode is scheduled to drop. Wow, how exciting! Well, bonus episode 6 centimeter covers Chapter 4, Eat It Video Shoot, Part 1. Ah, I cannot wait to hear it. Well, Dave, if you truly can't wait, you can head over to patreon.com slash 2000inch and you can listen to all the way up through episode 7 centimeter right now. Oh boy, and I bet bonus episode 8 centimeters coming really soon too to patreon.com slash 2000inch. We'll just have to wait and see. All right, so our good friend, the bodacious UH Jeff, reports that episode six of the Last Man television series has an ominous title? Well, we hope you're sitting down for this. The episode in question is titled, Weird Al is Dead. Oh my, oh, that is horrible. Please tell me there's more information on that. Well, according to a press release regarding that episode... It mentions nothing about Weird Al, dead or alive, nothing! They don't mention him! Well, that doesn't clear anything up at all! The only good thing is that this show is a work of fiction and not a documentary. <sighs> well, that is a big relief. Well, it might be a relief, but that's still enough for me to not want to watch it. Any show where Weird Al is dead is not a show for me. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. We both will definitely not be tuning in for episode six of The Last Man when it airs on FX on Hulu on Monday, October 4th. And finally, in case you haven't seen it yet, Weird Al last week released a brand new video on his YouTube channel. In the video, which parodies the frequent reaction videos that show up online, Weird Al reacts to the new music video for Drake's Way Too Sexy song. Now, eagle-eyed viewers, you may be able to see in the background a few exciting titles on Weird Al's bookshelf. Among the titles you'll see is the Weird Me book written by our friend Kelly Phillips, who first appeared on episode 22-inch, and the book Weird Al Seriously written by our friend Lily Hirsch, who first appeared on episode 43-inch. And you will also see the permanent record liner notes from the Al in the Box CD and cassette box set, which was written by none other than Dr. Demento, who first appeared on episode 52-inch. Now we have to warn you, there is some spicy language in the Drake song that plays in the background, but other than that, it's a fantastic video from Weird Al, so go check it out if you have not already. And you know what else everyone should check out, Dave? David Grant's saucy shirtless videos on his TikTok account at SEB underscore SHEP. Well, duh. But actually, there are some clothes videos you should check out, too. Wow, really? 
Well, I guess I can do that, but why? Well, I'm glad you asked, Dave. I have seen at least three videos where David Grant is wearing none other than a Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast logo t-shirt. No way. That is the coolest shirt one could possibly wear tied in with all the other shirts we sell over at shop.2000inch.com. Now, this is also great news because in one of the videos where he's wearing our shirt, he does a cat wrap. Oh, cool. Like he wraps up a cat in tissue paper? Well, no, he raps about a cat while the cat is meowing. Ah, does this mean the return of MC Chalkskin? Only time will tell. Be sure to follow at SEB underscore SHEP on TikTok and visit wolfinwool.com. Well, we are really excited for you to hear part one of this week's interview. So Ethan and I are very excited to welcome our next guest. He's someone that I've known way back since alt.musicweird-al. He's a musician, he's a recording engineer, he's a radio host, and at age 15, he actually produced the first ever Weird Al Yankovic tribute album. He's co-founder of Zelda and the Unibrows, and it's really our great excitement to welcome to the podcast, Joe Krause. How you doing, Joe? Hello, I'm doing all right. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah, really great to have you here, Joe. Thanks for joining us today. It is so nice to get to talk to somebody from way back in alt.music-weirdal days. How <laughs> did you get yourself involved in alt.music-weirdal? Uh, my mom got Prodigy in 1990, and I was I was uh, nine, I guess, in 1990. 91, I was 10. So, uh, And I went and joined the Weird Al group on there, and I started talking to Bermuda, and I was like, are you really Weird Al's drummer? And he's like, yep. Um, and that, that, was, that was a forum called uh, RHPNM, Radioactive Hamsters from a Planet Near Mars. That was the forum on, on Prodigy. Wow. And I used to print out stuff from that forum, and I have it in front of me in a binder, um, which you'll just have to imagine. It's not... The recitation isn't going to be a thing right now. You have to be enticed by it and I have to put it in a blog or something later. But there's a binder here, and uh, that's the Prodigy thing. So that would have led into Alt Music Weird Al. I never made it to the, uh, what, MIRC chat? Like, I never was in there, and that was where a lot of these, a lot of people right. met in these forums really, really connected. Um, yeah. But I was in these two previous forums. Wow. And so you must have been quite a big Weird Al fan to put together something like this and spend your time on alt.music talking about Weird Al. When did you first learn of Weird Al? It was probably through my uh, friend James Gennaro, who was like a, a middle school uh, friend. Okay. And I was, uh, at the time, I was uh, pretty far away from uh, from pop music. I didn't really listen to, to popular music. I just listened to weird other stuff. And so <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really get, I didn't really get the pop music parody thing. I just got the, the silliness and, and just got me into the world of comedy music and all of that. And around that time, there was a high school radio station near me that had a comedy show uh, as well. So I would record that all the time. Dr. Demento wasn't on by me, but people who had all of the Dr. Demento compilations were playing them on their high school show when I was in middle school. So oh. that was that was another <laughs> element in all of this. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so I'm kind of curious then how you... You know, you're 10 years old when you joined the the alt.music Weird Al. So a couple years later, you're age 15, and you decide to put together a Weird Al tribute album. How did that come about? Okay, so this, it was the work, it was the idea of someone else on the forum. And I think his name was Joe also. I don't remember his last name. If anyone remember, someone will. So 
I want to give him credit, but I don't remember it. And this is one of the things. I was I was like half worried that everything that I ever wrote from age 10 was there, uh, which it, I'm sure it is, but I couldn't find it. Um, but then also, since I couldn't find it, I don't have the accurate details, and I want to give people credit and so on. But basically, someone on Alt Music Weird Al had gotten a bunch of people excited about doing this project, and then he said, oh, I'm too busy, whatever. And I said, oh, I, I guess... I guess I have to do it now, um, and I, I don't know. I don't know what it was in me, like uh, that. That was just like saw me as the, the person that just had to pick that up. I guess I must have been excited about it myself and didn't want to see the project uh, go by the wayside. Uh, so that was the start of it. Yeah, that's a pretty ambitious project for a fifteen-year-old to take on. Well, I don't know exactly the order of operations, but at this time, I was I was really into drawing pictures and cartoons, and I was starting to do a, a self-published magazine because um, there was a home office. My family ran a business and had a home. You know, there was a copy machine and all that kind of stuff. So I was using the copy machine to cut and paste desktop publish. Remember desktop publishing? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the word processor was called Amy Pro. It wasn't even Microsoft Word or something. And you'd print it out and cut out the things and rubber cement it together. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and um, yeah, you'd cu- cut it out, rubber cement it, um, photocopy the thing, and make like a master one that was all the pieces stuck together. And then put take those to Office Depot or whatever. Try to get the person who thinks what you're doing is cool, so they gives you the secret discount. <laughs> and then you give it out to high school, and that's your that's your circulation. And uh, that was, that was my zine. And Bermuda contributed regularly to it. Like I was looking through just before this call, uh, there were, there were 14 issues published in my tenure at this, at this thing in two years of high school. Bermuda wrote an article that I split between the first and the second issues. And it's an article just saying like, you know, what they, what they do on the road, like how they, how they do a show. Wow. But there's a, a yeah, he, there was a few, there were a few other uh, contributions. There's one, He's got a third of a page on issue 10 here, and it's him holding the blender from, from uh, in 3D. And it's <laughs> oh, like a it's a long joke that is published here. I don't know whether he even came up with it, but it's Bermuda's humor, and it's very identifiable as such. So it's like, it's Bermuda's corner. <laughs> and um, wow wow <laughs> i mean you're just making these and handing them out at high school are people appreciating this it sounds incredible <laughs> it was um there was a, there were a core group of people who were reading it and we would just kind of respond to that core group of people and then i had a uh, an adult in my life at that time who said oh you're not doing this right you've got to you've got to get people's attention so what you've got to do is you've got to write about your school. And so I took his advice and I started putting a parody. So this is, I mean, I guess this mimics Al with originals and parodies. So like there was the magazine, but then in, in each magazine, there was a parody of the school paper. So I would wait until the school paper came out. And then my friends and I would all sit around for a day or two and write a parody of the whole school paper, you know, four pages maybe, and then stick it in the the main one as a supplement. And then that got people to read it. At school, wow! <laughs> and um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not reading more of this. I'm just kind of cumbersome with with reading. So this has to be an anticipated future event. But I'm looking through here, and um, I got to some after show stuff. Uh, you know, Bermuda was kind enough to to provide some after show passes, and I started like taking turns with my friends. Like I would go see him every time he'd come through in concert, and I'd bring a different group of friends to to go meet Al backstage, <laughs> and I would give Al and Bermuda these. Uh, homemade magazines and uh, Al gave me permission to like take his photo to for a promo for it so in issue what is this 11 I think 9 
I don't know. I have to look at the masthead. But uh, it's a photo of Al holding up the magazine, and he drew some stuff on the cover. And he's got a word balloon that I I cut it out and added it in, but I asked him if I could use this exact word balloon. So he he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he approved it. <laughs> right. He approved, it's a, he approved it. He says, read waiting for lunch or I'll kill you. And that's the word. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, so, I, I mean, I saw on your website that you have issue three available for sale. Is there any way to read these other issues? They sound really incredible. Yeah. If you go on the same website, the reason that only issue three is available is because that's all I, I've got one copy each of the <laughs> of the remainder of these. So I don't have them to sell. But uh, um, if you go and look through the archive, go all the way back to the ar- bottom of the archive, there is a link to a PDF of the whole thing. Wow. OK. Uh, in there. OK. Oh, very cool. And yeah, so you can browse through all these issues yourself. I will say that I was in high school. There's some stuff in there that I wouldn't stand by today. Um, so <laughs> There's that. But I think I say that on the page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's fair. And I think it's now required reading because, you know, if we don't go and we don't read that, Weird Al will actually kill us. That's true. It's a real quote yeah, from Weird he, Al. He, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a prophetic <laughs> threat in print here. Yeah. Yeah. There's also an article about questioning whether I'm a Weird Al stalker uh, in here. <laughs> <laughs> there's a half page ad for prosthetic lips and maybe i'll read that a little bit later because i could i couldn't find my liner notes for prosthetic lips and this is the closest thing to it that i've got is this this ad in here um which uh what's what's this say this ad uh, placebo records presents its first release in 17 years like of course because i can just say that i'm placebo records um <laughs> i mean that's what al did <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you say I'm a record label, and there, but it was someone's. It was already Al's record label. Um, they weren't putting out too much at that time, no. though. <laughs> produced by Joe Krause, mastered by Mike Hoffman, yes. uh, cover art by Tom Rockwell, yep. and featuring. And then there's the long list uh, of everyone on tape. Should I go? Th- should I go through the list of all the people? Well, what, we can we can go through them later because I, I know you'll have questions about them. So maybe I can go through we can go through that in, in a little bit. But it says uh, includes six new original fan recordings plus covers of these classics. <laughs> <laughs> wow! And it's got my then it's got my little address there, and uh, it was my mom's post office box. She had a mail order business at that time. She was s- selling the supplies to make Ukrainian Easter eggs. It's called pisanki. Uh, is this tradition? So she had a post office box, and she would mail the supplies to, to do this traditional art. And I also use that for prosthetic lips. So that's the post office box. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I don't know if we even said it yet, but prosthetic lips is, that is the name of this weird Al tribute album you put together. Yeah. Did you come up that with that name yourself or, I mean, obviously it's a weird Al reference, but was that yours or was that, did that come from a submission? I, I think it is until proven otherwise by someone in archiving the, the alt dot music that weird alpha. Fair enough. Everything that I say in this is just, oh yeah, I think I, I think that was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, to the best of your memory, can you tell us how, you know, you ended up getting, you know, all these great people to and great bands to actually contribute songs for this tribute album? Well, th- this was a the thing. There was already a, there was already some momentum on the forum and there was just a really good vibe in that forum i mean there wasn't it was a, it was a small group of people and it wasn't full of a bunch of trolls and other stuff happening it was just like people who were really like the core fan group so there was just a very positive yeah. vibe so it's uh 
you know, I can't take credit for generating the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm was there and it just seemed, uh, it just would have been a letdown to let that moment pass without, without capturing yeah. it, I suppose. So, so getting that excitement and also, um, you know, frankly, uh, and I, I, I'm not going to name names. I don't mean this personally to anybody, uh, other than myself, the, the quality is up and down on, on the album. And I think that from today, today's perspective, looking back, like that's, it's a time capsule of those fans in that place. And it's, it's just as valuable for that as for the, you know, the production quality, uh, because it's, it's, uh, endearing and wonderful to hear people doing their own personal tribute, oh, even if totally, they, yeah. they're, they're not professional musicians in another way, right? Oh, yeah. That's what makes it so great. I think that ad- that adds to the charm of the actual album itself. It is a it is all by Weird Al fans, you know, doing covers and original songs of Weird Al music. I think that, you know, it's professionally produced and everything, but I think that unprofessionalism of some of the songs, you know, the, the basement tape quality of them, you know, actually adds a lot to the album. And I, I, listening to it recently, I, I thought it was even... And it was intriguing also because it's hard to make things sound like that today. It's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to have, because you're not, you're not fighting the tape hiss. So when you hear it, it's like, whoa, is this vaporwave? No, it's just an old tape. Yeah, there, there's not like an Instagram filter to capture the sound that you really you could only capture by creating and recording yourself with non-professional equipment back in 1996. It's just, I, I, I love your word time capsule because really that's how I look at it. Someone who I didn't have the the album at the time and I can look at it and appreciate it for what it was not even consider the the quality of of the recordings or anything like that well the the technology at that time it was the transition um, from cassette tapes to burnable compact discs and I I was into recording and music so I I, I invested in a mini disc recorder then because that was the best quality you could get without yeah. getting <laughs> thousands of dollars CD burners and um, when uh, Mike Hoffman came in, because we were trading mini discs, uh, and he was living in Chicago, and we were making like mixtapes, uh, basically, and sending them through the mail to each other. Hmm. Um, and so he's the one who took the audio recordings and took them to a mastering place in Chicago, and they burned a CD and sent it, and he mailed it back to me, and that's what I used to take to the duplication house. So this uh, C- CD master here is his work, but I remember having this in my hands, and it was the first time I'd ever had a burned CD. It was a non-commercial CD. So this is the era wow. we're talking, this is 19, 1996, 96, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then, if, you know, two years later, you've had CD burners and all the computers. And a few years after that, those are gone. So uh, it's a strange <laughs> era for me, for media. <laughs> I, I'm just right. so curious. How do you go from, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take up the mantle and I'll, I'll lead this project to actually knowing what to do? <laughs> like, how, how do you go from a, a kid in high school to, to figuring out and producing this album? A, a lot of the stuff was was already a lot of the pieces for that were already there. If I if I didn't have a, a copy machine, I wouldn't have been making a zine. That was just because there was a copy machine in the house because there was a home office. So that's that's luck. And uh, same thing with a post office box. Like all of the things that I needed to make this happen were kind of already there. So it seems just kind of obvious uh, for me to take, take it over. It didn't seem like a chore mm-hmm. and it, it worked out. Okay. It was, it was pretty crazy because it was the, 
I hadn't, you know, I'm not that organized, as you can tell. I haven't pre-planned exactly how it went through. So a lot of people waited a while for their orders. I, I didn't yet have the, uh, and I maybe still don't have, the the timely office nature. So this was a risk <laughs> for the purchasers of this album because they're sending a check to a 15-year-old at a post office box and then waiting weeks. You know what I mean? Like, this is, yeah. this is some, it's sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any idea how many albums sold? I'm gu- I'm guessing a few hundred cassettes because the first run of cassette tapes was was a hundred, um, and it was made at it was called the Disc Limited uh, on Nine Mile Road in East Point, Michigan. That's uh, by Detroit, and mm. they they had shrink wrap on them, and they had wow. these cases. Yeah, and I have one left, and this is the sound of it on the mic. That's <laughs> wow. That's the only one. You're listening to the sound of the only shrink wrapped prosthetic lips tape in my possession. Wow. Possibly the world. <laughs> the only original. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe some of these people. Oh, that's true. Them, maybe. Yeah, Dave know. might have a whole stack over there. <laughs> Dave, oh no, I, I I opened up mine immediately the day I got it and listened to it straight through for sure. Absolutely. And uh, a few a few years later, uh, I, I made some burn CDs as well. So I probably made a hundred or something of those. But wow. I, rem- I recall selling more tapes than CDs because the CDs were sold at uh, at one of the Alcons uh, primarily. Oh, okay, very okay. cool. Yeah, Dave, this question's for you. Okay, do you remember when Prosthetic Lips came out, and do you remember what you were thinking as just a a fellow fan? Oh, I remember the whole. I, I remember the whole discussion around. Uh, prosthetic lips and you know people like joe trying to put it together and get it organized i remember thinking i need to be a part of this and i also remember thinking i have absolutely no musical ability so <laughs> i'm not going to subject others to that okay. so i decided i did not i did not submit anything at all but i mean i know a lot of people i'm looking at you know the playlist and i can go down and i can check off a lot of these names as people that i've been that i've known since alt.music Weird Al and I've remained friends with, and we've you know a lot of great people on here. You mentioned some of them. I mean, Sudden Death. We've had you know Tom on the podcast. You know, uh, Mike Hoffman, Hot Waffles. Mm-hmm. There's just some really cool Lex Friedman. There's some really cool names on here. Insane Ian as well co- contributed something. You know, yeah, I still see Insane Ian on social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this you know obscure band called Zelda and the Unibrows also contributed a <laughs> song as well. I wonder how you ended up getting them. <laughs> uh, it was a complex process, uh, but uh, managed. <laughs> so, of course, Zelda and Zelda and the Unibrows is your band. Did you start it to? Oh, that's the joke. Did you start it to? Uh, I know. I gotta ruin it for the audience who doesn't get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you start that band to contribute to Prosthetic Lips, or was that already something you were you were already doing? That that was kind of bubbling up for a long time, and and um, round, I used to, as I said, I used to draw cartoons all the time, and my friend Paul uh, would as well, and we were grow, grew up partly a block apart for a while, and uh, I would go over to his house, and we'd sit at the table and just draw pictures when we were in elementary school. Um, so he started writing music later on, uh, and I was doing these cartoons, and I had a cartoon character called Big Fat Zelda. So it's not named for the video game, but I don't care if people think that it is. <laughs> um, it helps with the SEO. But uh, <laughs> but, but it was these car- Paul and I started doing stuff, and he ended up writing a lot of music, and I got into music production. So he would write stuff, and I would produce it. And we became a, a, a duo, and we each started doing some of the other jobs too. 
And um, we uh, had been doing like horrible sketch comedy tapes and fake radio shows, but we were trying to get serious. So we decided to put an album together and we put out a few years after Prosthetic Lips, we put out Never Seat Now, and it's the 20th anniversary of that because it came out March 27th, 2001. Wow. Oh, cool. But Never Seat Now was the first, like our first CD. It was our first attempt at music. And then Prosthetic Lips was just before that when, like, the piano is, the piano on, we, we covered School Cafeteria. The piano is, uh, this was in the same room as that copy machine. <laughs> <laughs> like it's an old it's an old beat up it's an old beat up player piano and my friend Chris Holt is a, is a great musician so he's playing the piano on that I just played him Al's recording of School Cafeteria and he goes oh, oh I think that goes like this and he was 16 so he could just play that uh, magically somehow because it's astonishing to me um, <laughs> wow and then I recorded my voice over it and I'm not a singer so it sounds weird um, but that's fine <laughs> but so yeah that was our first school cafeteria was our first thing but it doesn't really sound like our, our music that we put out after that here's a little tune that's been shivered and crawling around my head let me tell you about the school cafeteria it's got all the others beats it sells over four million burgers a year just think that's almost two pounds of meat my ice cream sandwich is lukewarm, but my burrito is much too cold. Our school cafeteria is the only place that sells artificially colored mold. The school cafeteria believes in mass production. They buy those lousy soybeans by the keg. I don't like to complain, but in a school cafeteria, you can buy a taco and get bubonic plague. Today in the school cafeteria, they introduced a brand new mold. It's called Boysen Battery Pisonteri. Please pass the salt. The tuna fish sandwiches will make you ill. The enchiladas are enough to kill. Before you eat, you'd better make out your will in the school cafeteria today. After 63 years in the business, our cook still hasn't got the knack. And all the food in the school cafeteria comes from care packages that were sent back. Feel your arteries growing hard as you eat another healthy spoonful of lard. It's no wonder that the food is so gross. The health departments are afraid to come close. So everybody better hold your nose in the school cafeteria today. So listen very closely, all you girls and guys. Here's a little message to the wise. You better not try that chili surprise in the school cafeteria today. Oh yeah, in the school cafeteria today. Yeah. Oh, but uh, there's a, there's a there's a connection with Zelda and the Unibrows and the Zine because it always said in tiny print published by Zelda and the Unibrows. And uh, uh, when Albuquerque came out, I was like, I, I saw Al at, after the concert because that's when all this was happening. And I was like, were, were you thinking about Zelda and the Unibrows when you said Zelda and Albuquerque? And I won't tell you what he said because it, he, it was in confidence, but uh, it may have been. It. <laughs> Well, that's what I was thinking when when I or or at least or at least indicated to me that I can't I can't uh, prove that Im- empirically. <laughs> wow, that's very cool. <laughs> How incredible! So Al, it sounds like Al actually was reading the zines you gave him, and did he end up getting a copy of Prosthetic Lips? Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, I think 
I think I gave him an early version or something because on the back of the tape that I released, there's a photo of him holding up the tape. So, you know, if you could zoom into it, it could go into infinity of him holding up one tape inside of another tape forever. Uh, and I don't really remember, I don't really remember if that tape was, uh, was recorded or not. I might've given him a CD or something. He, yes. He, he definitely got, uh, one of those. And if he is missing one, I'll have to get a color copy machine and a regular copy <laughs> machine to replicate. It's actually hard to replicate these now. Like it, I used to have the tools where I could just make more of them and now it's 2021. So I, everything's just on my phone. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> well, I'm curious how you decided to pick the song school cafeteria to cover. I mean, that was in a pretty obscure song even back then, but for like a 15 year old to know that song, how did you end up uh, choosing that one? Oh, that was that was me being a hipster. That was me. Like, <laughs> oh, I know the I know this obscure thing. I know this rare obscure Weird Al song. So that's what that was. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because I I was tra- you know we were, that was the days of t- trading tapes. So like through the mail uh, with people on the forum. You, you, oh, here's I got this recording of these you know this 1984 polka medley at this concert that has that one extra song in it. You know like that was. That, that stuff right <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> and so i was oh i got school cafeteria and there was a it might have been bermuda's archive because he was always the archive archivist but uh if it wasn't it was you know someone maintained a list of rare rare songs so it was like i would trade tapes and try to get all the rare songs um you know i never got you don't take your showers but now you can just hear these things right <laughs> I can probably help you out. Get a copy of that. Uh, you you don't take oh, your showers man, finally. If, you, if you need it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure we must have traded tapes back in the day because I was definitely we into that. Yeah, we must have. You know, definitely tracking down it. You're, you're right. You know, you'd look for the most obscure song possible. You know, he did the like you said a he covered this song in a medley, and you'd have to track down a live concert version of that medley just to hear that one you know, 30 yep. second clip of the song. But once you heard it, it was, you know, the greatest thing ever. Now you just type it in YouTube and it's, you just and, type and it anyone in, can it's hear there. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to type it all in. It autofills the rest of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I traded videotapes too. Uh, Car- Carlotta Barnes, who used to do the Midnight Star, she, she, uh, well, well, it's, I mean, she would send like TV, uh, VHS tapes that would circulate. And I yeah. did generation, generation six of those. So it's just like, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> just like a blob on the screen and you can barely hear through it. It's like, oh, I think I think that was Ellen Thick on Circus of the Stars. I, I can't tell though. <laughs> well, that was always fun trading VHS tapes back and forth as well. So I'm kind of curious about, you know, how did you keep this organized? What kind of response did you get when you, you know, finally put out the call, send me your your songs, you know, you weren't, you know, people were at, at the time, they're not sending you MP3s. How were you getting the music and how did you keep it organized? And, you know, how did you, you know, did you get songs that you ended up not using? And yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the tapes, the cassette tapes started rolling into the post office box. So it became a, a, a pleasure to go down there and see what was there that day for the cassette tapes. And I don't think, yeah, 96, there wasn't a single CD. That's why I was saying it was so amazing to see this, uh, I think it was $30 to get this burned. So it was all tapes and um, <clears throat> some, some pieces, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff that didn't make it because the, because I filled up the whole tape. So I know that there's stuff that didn't make it because um, I had purchased these 70 minute long tapes 
and uh, yeah, I used up I used all the space on those. Um, mm. And some tapes had original songs that the same people had done, or they had slightly different versions or different takes of 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 their song. And a few of those submissions I still have today. I, um, how did I organize them? They were just in a pile on the coffee table, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I picked, and I said sifted through them and looked looked at them, but. Uh, yeah, I still have some of the original submitted cassette tapes. Uh, not all of them, but uh, the ravages of time and and moving a bunch. But uh, uh, yeah, there are definitely some some different recordings and different takes on there. Wow, very cool. Now, one really, especially iconic part about Prosthetic Lips is the cover art. And when we were talking to Devo Spice, a.k.a. Sudden Death, a.k.a. Tom Rockwell, he let us know that he yeah. was the designer of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a professional art that Tom did for the front cover. And he even went so far back then as to as to prep it for for copying. Like he sent me it was printed out with like really high because you, you had to he didn't send me a JPEG. Because it's 1996. It was like he right. he's, he, he, he mailed. I got a flat in the mail with a thing that was ready to be put down on a color copy machine. So like you pull out the printed thing that he sent me and you put it on the color copy machine. Um, and uh, recently, I put up prosthetic lips on my on my website for for uh, for current perusal. And um, I couldn't. I was really struggling to find a lot of this stuff. This show and tell that I'm doing here is a is a quarter of what. I used to no- be able to locate. So uh, Tom actually sent me a new high resolution scan uh, wow. of his original art for prosthetic lips. And, and that's, uh, that's on the website. So if you click on the, there's like a scroller of images at the top that shows some of the uh, original tapes that people sent in. And I, I used his, his uh, high res scan of, of that up there. If you save that image, you can see the big one. That's so oh, cool. cool. You should yeah. be able to. If you can't, as soon as we finish this, I'm going to go onto Squarespace and make sure that that's true. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it's true. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's such a great, okay. Okay. Uh, it's, it's such a great painting and I understand he actually still has that. So he literally just re. Oh, that's what I'm saying. He, sent, he yeah. sent like he, he must've had it right there and he, and he, and he sent it. Um, How cool. So it's cool because in the in the new one you can see the texture of the canvas. Right. Uh, wow. And looking at it now, it's also like conceptually, I think it's just the right amount of bizarre because it's like a, a poof of weird owl hair, but there's no face. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the giant lips and the and the nose right. and the glasses, <laughs> and like the accordion is going through space in a way that's kind of like not quite possible by M. C. Escher rules. <laughs> you know, it like comes out and goes to the side. It's uh, it's good and good and uh, surreal there. It's it's great art. And Tom Rockwell also submitted um music to the comedy compilation that binge and purge that i put out right after that and he's got a full page with different art in the uh in one of the waiting for lunches oh wow his track the mouth is in there and it's his drawing of this character and his like his rap about it is is one of the featured articles in this in issue 13 how very cool and mary renee mcreynolds uh had some weird al and star trek fan fiction in issue five that's all my bookmarks <laughs> <laughs> wow i i have to imagine th- there's not many of those uh zines left i mean <laughs> i mean you you've got one of each you've got a couple of issue three but i can't imagine the kids in high school who you're handing them out to you know have an archive of them all these years later Oh yeah, Im- impermanent all f- are all f- formations. <laughs> impermanent are all formations, subject to rise and fall. 
<laughs> Having arisen, they shall cease to be. Uh, that's that's a Zelda in the Unibrows. That's a Zelda in the Unibrows lyric, but it's true. <laughs> it is. <laughs> wow. You mentioned the other album, The Binge and Purge. So let's jump over to that for a second. What's really incredible about that is, you know, my understanding is it came out with an issue of Waiting for Lunch magazine. And, it, you know, you mentioned that... Uh, Tom, a.k.a. Devo, has a song on there. You've got a song on there. But also, it features songs by John Bermuda Schwartz. Well, we need to stop right there. But don't worry, we'll be back next week with more with Joe Kraus. I'm really excited for next week. But can we please get just a little more Joe Kraus content this episode? Why, of course! Today's episode is brought to you in part by Joe and Stashu from Waiting for Lunch Radio. Waiting for Lunch Radio is a freeform radio show inspired by mixtapes and zines, playing a wide range of crazy music and hot, fresh, demented ear food. Waiting for Lunch Radio is not available where you get your podcasts because it's on Mixcloud. But don't worry, you can find it at waitingforlunch.com. So come on down to Waiting for Lunch Radio and Waiting for Lunch, you're Waiting for Lunch Radio. Or hop on over to WaitingForLunch.com for a hot and loaded wizardly vegan freeform radio zine. From Detroit to Jersey City to Europa, Waiting for Lunch Radio feeds your hungry ears with out-of-this-world real music, always freeform style. Leave a weird message at 313-883-9275 or order ahead at waitingforlunch.com. And would you look at that? This week's episode is also brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also stoned. Darwin, Minnesota is home to Matheson Custom Masonry. Matheson Custom Masonry offers excavation, concrete repair, and concrete pouring. They also do concrete sidewalks, driveways, floors, and block foundations for homes. Wow! They do all that? Yeah, they do all that, and they also offer brink and stone walls. Well, Dave, I'm pretty sure that's brick walls. Oh, no, we're not going through this again. Well, either way, that's incredible. They must employ thousands of people to be able to handle all of that incredible work. You would think so, but Matheson Custom Masonry is a small business with only three employees. Three employees? Uh, Okay, so we know that Darwin has a population of 350 people, so Matheson Custom Masonry employs approximately 0.857% of Darwin's residents. Well, Ethan, we don't know that all three, or any of the three employees for that matter, are Darwinites. Uh, yeah, okay, that's true, that's true. So we can accurately say that somewhere between 0% and approximately 0.857% of the residents of Darwin, Minnesota are employed by Matheson Custom Masonry. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just a twine bowl. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to visit discoverdarwin.biz. Each week, we're able to bring you our podcast absolutely free. Thanks to our sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, David Granite Wolf and Will.com and now TikTok, Joe and Stashu from Waiting for Lunch Radio, and of course, Angel Valenzuela and David Cash. 
And thanks to our amazing close personal friend, Patreon supporters, Javier, UH Jeff, Zeb, Allison, Blair, Frank from the Bank, Kenneth, Jared, and Jake. And thanks to Mike and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our family-friendly weekly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch or by picking up some pretty stinking majestic official Dave and Ethan's 2000inch Weird Al podcast merchandise. We've got mugs, towels, t-shirts, and more, as well as our new line of Discover Darwin products over at shop.2000inch.com. Our good friend and podcast supporter, Allison Parsons, recently posted a picture in our official Facebook group, group.2000inch.com, of her and her cat wearing a Discover Darwin t-shirt. And just to be clear, was Allison or her cat wearing the shirt? Good question. Go on over to group.2000inch.com and find out. Be sure to grab your copies of Black and White and Weird All Over and check out our special book series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through the book page by page and picture by picture. Remember, bonus episode 6 centimeter will drop for everyone on Sunday, but Patreon supporters get to hear all of the bonus episodes early. And don't you forget it. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so join our Facebook community and post about Weird Al by visiting group.2000inch.com, and we also love it when we receive voicemail via our 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 Spatula. You might even hear your message in a future episode. The 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast is sponsored by Angel Valenzuela and David Cash, two amazing Weird Al fans and longtime podcast supporters. For everything about our podcast, including incredible past episodes and guests, be sure to visit WeirdAlPodcast.com or 2000inch.com and keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you all for subscribing and leaving those wonderful reviews on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spotify, Stitcher, and or the podcast app of your choice. Thank you once again to our guest, Joe Krause, and thank you to John Caffiero and Demented Punk Records. Thank you to UH Jeff, Allison Parsons, and Polyester. And thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song. And thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thank you to all of you, our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our weekly podcast possible. Thank you for listening to Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. And always remember to gill and chill. So, Dave, got any big plans for this weekend? I actually do. This Sunday is International Talk Like a Pirate Day. Oh, great. All right, so, Ethan, what is a pirate's favorite letter? Oh, please, Dave. No, I'm begging you. No, it's not begging you. Oh, oh, come on, Dave. This is horrible. No, no, it's not horrible. Oh, gosh, please. We need to end this episode. No, no, not until you guess, Ethan. Fine. Is a pirate's favorite letter R? You would think so, but it's actually high C. Oh, fuck you, Dave.
That was Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, episode 124-inch. The podcast about Weird Al so you don't have to. Read Waiting for Lunch or I'll Kill You.